that can preach besides Kurt. One of those is Greg Thatcher. Um, if you don't, come on up. If you don't know Greg, Greg has um, been a pastor forever, it seems like. Not forever. I, you're not old. Okay, I know. I apologize for that. that I, was, didn't, I didn't come out preaching. Just saying. Uh, he's also one of our worship leaders here. And so, what are you doing? What's I'm happening just, right now? I, I like standing next to you. I and know, feel Greg. This aura. Greg, no, Greg and I used to serve on worship steering team together and had many fun <laughs> conversations and meetings together. Yes, but we did. They were fun. Yeah, they were yes. fun. That's what we call them. Stress. So anyways, you're going to want to take notes today. Greg has is heard from the Lord and really uh, has a word for us. So I'm excited. Are you so. ready? Thanks, man. All right. Uh, good morning, everybody. Yeah. If you don't... Uh, what? Oh, yeah. Um, if you don't... Uh, know me, that's probably a good thing, but um, I'm, I've, been a, I've been a Christian, <laughs> I know, I've been a Christian 45 years uh, this coming April 25th, and yeah, it's really cool to see what the Lord has done in my life, because I certainly, I'll talk about this a little bit more, I've certainly seen him do a distinct change. Uh, I've been married 41 years almost to the same woman, she's my first wife, Maureen, you know Maureen, she serves in the kitchen in different ways with Julie. Um, have four wonderful children. Um, I'm currently teaching in the Lake Washington School District. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. And um, anyway, so let's get to the sermon, shall we? Um, really and truly, my sermon's got two main points this morning. And it's going to be a long introduction, kind of, sort of, um, and a shorter type ending and with a testimony in the, involved. The house are going to share a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk about daily devotions and talk about following Jesus. Pretty simple. There, there's some intricate points to it, but it's pretty simple. When it comes to these things, I, I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you to even think, though, that I have a formula for you. I had this worship leader friend, Pam knows who I'm talking about. His name is Kent Henry, and he came to town one time, and our church was going through a really tough time, and Kent was leading, and I had, I had the, the privilege to have him in our home and have him stay there. And I told Kent about this really tough situation we were facing in the worship team. And I said, so Kent, what do you think? And he looked at me, and he said, I don't know. I don't go to your church. Ask God, man. And so this morning when it comes to, yeah, I know, is it, we look for people to give us a formula for something, right? I mean, the Rick Warren book about days of purpose and so forth and so on. I mean, we look for people to give us a formula. But it, when it comes to these things, daily devotions and um, following Jesus, ask God. Ask him for you because he has a wonderful plan for your life. He really does. It's a simple message, but it's true. Um, I feel that this message is, a good individual close-up look, uh, given the one that Kurt gave last week, which was really good, like so, the, kind of the so what since Easter. And now it's kind of individual look at, at the life of Peter post-resurrection. And, and so this morning, what I want to look at is not just forgiveness and restoration for Peter, not just reconciliation, but getting close to the heart of God and knowing what to do next. So daily devotion is one way to get there and to follow Jesus. I'm going to read from John 21. We're in the Empowered series, and even though we're not talking from Luke or 1 Corinthians today, this is a close-up look, post-resurrection at the life of one person, and he had denied and forsaken Jesus before the cross. And it's really important to keep that mindset okay, as we read this. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. 
we'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat and they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw, on, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there was so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved, and that's John the apostle, said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he'd stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Then Jesus served them. The resurrected Son of God. This is not before the Last Supper. This is post-resurrection. The resurrected Christ serves them. I just, that caught my attention big time, that Jesus served them. He served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. I know, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter turned around and saw him behind the disciple Jesus loved. Again, that's John. The one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, John? Lord, Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Oops, sorry. I don't know if the apostles were bored or just mooching around until another visit from Jesus, but Peter announces that he's going back at least temporarily to something that he knows, fishing. I guess when the going gets tough, the tough go fishing, at least for the disciples. I like to go shopping myself, but uh, fishing was the fallback position for Peter. It was a familiar scene being played out because this had happened before. It had happened in Luke 5 when, John, excuse me, when Jesus called Peter for the first time, and they caught no fish, and Jesus said, put your net on the other side of the boat. This is no less significant. John recognized immediately that the one on the shore calling out to them was Jesus. I love it that John simply says to Peter, hey, Pete, it's Jesus. It's him, man. I bet in the last few days that John knew that Peter is hurting and grieving from his denial, his betrayal of Jesus. It's not been personally addressed as yet. Even Thomas gets a close-up glimpse of Jesus before Peter did when he doubts whether the Lord is risen or not in John 20. And Jesus says, check out my hands, my feet, my side. I'm not a ghost. Not to be outdone or the last one to see Jesus this time. This time, Peter throws himself overboard in order to get to Jesus first. For humans... 
Forgiveness is only one step towards reconciliation. I know I'm forgiven after I've sinned and I ask forgiveness, but in terms of being close to the heart of God, it's a different story to know that personally. I don't think it's that way to God, but that's how I feel. How about you? You felt that way before? I know I'm forgiven, but am I as close to the heart of God as I once was? Impetuous Peter, the instant one, the one with the words first and no action most times to back it up. It's as if Peter said, hey, Jesus, remember me? Did you forget it was upon my confession you were going to build this thing called a church? Is that null and void now? Is it over? Does Thomas come before me and why? Remember up on the mountain when I saw Elijah and Moses with you? Did you forget? What's it take to get me off the naughty list? <laughs> I, I, I think that, that must have been somewhat the way Peter felt. Oftentimes after I've done something thoughtless and unkind against God or against others and against myself, I wonder the same thing that Peter must have wondered. Jesus, does this damage and dash the plans you have for me? Am I lesser now because of what I've done? How far down the list does this put me in terms of your use for me? Am I done? Am I part-time now with you? Because I know at one time I was filled with hope. Even more, does this affect your love for me? Will you still say to me, well done, you good and faithful servant, after I get into your presence in heaven? How can I be reconciled after, and you can fill in the blank right there. How can I be reconciled to you? God, I get that I'm forgiven because I get the cross. I understand the cross. I understand the sacrifice you made. I understand that you gave your life for me. I understand that you were resurrected from the dead so that one day I can be with you. But what about the here and now? What about as I walk through life? Have you been in those places before? I certainly have been. I remember going to a little chapel that was near the junior high that I used to work at 40 plus years ago in Kent. And I, I can remember just sinning against God and going to that little chapel. Nobody knew that the back door was open. I don't know if those, those little Baptist people knew that that back door was open. But I'd go to that little tiny church and I'd put myself on the altar and I'd say, Jesus, how could you ever love me again? I have failed you yet again. And I'm sure that that's the way Peter felt. When I got saved <laughs> 45 years ago, I thought, you know, probably in five or 10 years, I'll never sin again. <laughs> Won't that be a great place to be with God? I have a confession to make. I still sin, and sometimes it feels way worse than what Peter felt like. And I, know, I wonder sometimes if I've done things that were worse than Peter did, and I'm pretty sure that I did. After David sinned with Bathsheba in Psalm 51, David said this, against you, God, and against you only have I sinned. Peter felt that way, way, way down. The, the shame, the remorse Peter must have carried for those days preceding the time that he got to be with Jesus at the, at the water's edge for breakfast. You know, Peter must have felt like he was on top of the spiritual world one minute with Jesus, and then bam, he's at the bottom. He's not even feeling close to him anymore. Peter, out in front of the bus one minute, or sitting in the front seat, and all of a sudden, you're outside the bus trailing, trying to chase the bus down so that they would catch up with you. Have you felt like that before? That's where Peter was at 
that day. And we can identify with Peter. The Bible says that we're forgiven because of the life, the cross, and the blood, and the resurrection of Jesus. His blood cleanses all of our sin and all of our sins, period. When Jesus said, it's finished. When Jesus said, don't hold this against them. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. We know because of that moment, at one moment, atonement, in that one moment, we were forgiven. But restoration and being close to the heart of God again, for most of us, is another question. The salvation that we can't earn, we can't work for, and we can't pay for it. That frustrated me greatly before I came to know the Lord. And when it comes to forgiveness, it's the same thing. I can't earn it, I can't work for it, and I can't pay for it. We're forgiven. He died for me. I know he loves me, and he wants to restore me. Okay, I've been restored. How can I now effectively communicate the gospel? Because that's the job that he has for me. That's the mission I'm on every day, is to let people know who he is. Starting with my family, by the way. So how will we live for him? How can I effectively communicate God's truth? Go into all the world, Jesus said, and preach the gospel. Great, but me? <laughs> and Jesus would come to each of us and say, put your name there. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Peter didn't know what he meant by that. Peter had no idea. Okay, I'll do it. Sure. How do I do that? Because I don't get it. I don't get it. How can I know what you want from my life so that others will know you and I can effectively tell them? If you're struggling today, maybe Easter's over with, you know, and you're not living in the, the moment of Easter or even the week after, and you are really struggling again. I know I've been, I've been there. And by the way, you know, I've, I've faced some some. Tough things, and I'm not going to go through and regale you with it, but been in some tough places and fell away a couple times. I've got, gee whiz, Lord, where am I with you? So if you're in that boat this morning, if you're like Peter and you think, I'm way worse than Peter, I'd like you to lift that. Um, Kevin Perales is going, to, is going to pray for us. And I'm going to ask Kevin to pray for us. I'm going to ask you to lift your heart before the Lord. Not just the sermon, and not just for another church, but for every person in here this morning that's struggling, we're going to pray for you that in Jesus' name it will be broken. I don't care how long the sin has been. I don't care how long you've been carrying it. I don't care if you think it can't be broken. In Jesus' name, let it be so this morning. So we can be restored and go out and be part of his heart every day to reach our world because the Lord knows right now that we need him. Amen? Amen. Yes, he does. Kevin, if you'd pray for us, that'd be great. Yeah. Lord, we just come before you, and we are so broken. Lord, I need you in my life in a deeper way. And I feel what Greg has communicated this morning is exactly how I feel. People sit and, and say, well, can God use me? And, I, and in my head, I just go, God, if only these people knew what I've done. Yeah. So, Jesus. Lord, we need you. We need the answer to this. We need to know that we're okay. In your presence. We need to know that we can still be used. We still uh, need to know that there's a plan A plan that you have for our lives and we didn't disqualify ourselves and lose that. So would you speak to us this morning yes, Lord. about that? Lord, would you use Greg? Thank you for speaking to your servant Greg. Would you give him uh, only your words and none of his? Yeah. 
Lord, would you open our hearts? Would you open our minds? Would you open our eyes to see what you have for us this morning? So we lift up Lake Sam, and we also lift up the church that Kurt's preaching at. I pray for our pastors that you would give them rest in this place that is not restful for them. Lord, I pray that you would give them um, peace and joy, and that they'd come back, even though this isn't vacation, that they'd come back feeling refreshed, and that you do an amazing thing in that church that Kurt's preaching at this morning. So we thank you. We trust you. We love you. Yeah, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you speak. Thank you, Lord, that you open our hearts to receive. Yeah, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just a word to you um, that I want to use this morning. How can my everydayness of life bring glory to him? I'm talking about the everydayness. You get up in the morning, you have coffee or tea, whatever it might be. You know, you get the kids ready, or you brush your teeth, you take a shower, you shave, you get to go to work, you do driving, you do... I'm talking about the everyday things, everydayness. It's one thing to talk about Easter. It's, a t- about, it's another to talk about the day after, because that's where everydayness meets us. I have a maxim in ministry. I have several, but one in particular. By the way, the tech department at school has told me, uh, and my principal, that I need to use more graphics when I use my PowerPoint. So this is my this is my try. <laughs> If you're watching this morning, tech department, here I am. Uh, When the practical, the design of everyday things, meets the spiritual, that's Mount Sinai, by the way. Yeah, it's powerful. When the practical of earth meets the spiritual, it's powerful. Touching heaven and changing earth. That's from a Hillsong's album of a few years ago. When the practical meets the spiritual, it's powerful. If I want to effectively have his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that's the way Jesus prayed. Don't forget, he told us that's the way we are to pray. God, your kingdom come. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How can I do that and still be human? Because <laughs> there's a human element in me that kind of chafes against that sometimes. I mean, by the way, one way to do this is to meet with God daily. I do this. And since I have been in the public school system, knowing that I cannot name his name outwardly, religiously, or faith-based wise, I meet with God every day for 20 to 40 minutes, not patting myself on the back. I meet with him for that amount of time. I read my Bible, I pray, and I read a little passage from Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest. Because I know that inwardly, I have to start the day with him. I can probably count on one hand, and I'm not kidding, the number of days that I have not met with God, some of them on purpose, a few of them because I've slept in, but to get up at four, whatever it is in the morning, and meet with him because I need him first part of my day. I recognize that he is there with me, I know the difference between my day with a quiet time and one without one. It's not rote. It's not supposed to be religious. It's not a good luck charm. Oh, if I don't do this, it won't happen. No. (laughs) It's like this. God, I don't know what you want from me. So would you tell me? And if you don't tell me right now, I'm going to anticipate it during the day because I've met with you. Oh, Man, I'm telling you, I I need to knit my heart first thing to his. It's vital. To live for God, I have to have nourishment from God. Jesus said this when he answered the devil. It's written like this. 
Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So for that reason, that's why I meet with him. I need him. I need him more than I need the air. I am not kidding when I get to school. To live for God, I have to have that nourishment. I have to have his will in front of me. Where I work, how can I bring God's light to students and staff when I can't even speak his name? I can't say, I'll pray for you, or God bless you, or the Lord will take care of you. Or I'm, I keep waiting, by the way, at staff meetings for somebody to say, let's close in prayer. <laughs> because I think the public schools want biblical principles to some degree, but don't talk about God. Not by any means. We're not going to upset that apple cart. That's okay. I'm learning that I can be a witness, not a witless witness, but I can be a witness and still carry his presence without speaking his name. Who Jesus is seems to be spilling out of me in the everydayness of school events. Let me name two for you. Once when I was at the high school subbing for this guy who, I don't know, what was going on with him, and I won't speculate at this point. But I had a student come to me for, uh, it was a few days, excuse me, a few weeks after school had started, and he said, Mr. Thatcher, can I talk to you? It was my, in my psych class. By the way, it's the first time I'd ever talked psych, right? <laughs> psych. I was psyched. <laughs> psyched out teaching that class. And Joseph, this kid named Joseph, he came to me, and he said, can I talk to you for a minute? And he said, I just want you to know it's been tough for me to move up from New Mexico um, with my family. We go to church, and you know, I, my dad's in prison, and my stepdad's a great guy. I'm just wondering if you'll pray for me. You what? <laughs> did, did I mention God in class to you? Did I say something? He said, would you pray for me? I said, how would you know if I would pray for you or not? He said, oh, come on. You're a Christian. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I said, say one time I ever, he said, that's not the point. That's not it. I had another kid ask me something that was very serious as well. But, but just last year, one of the guys I, I teach with, we'd had a team meeting the night before, and uh, we were talking about you know, language arts and social studies. He comes busting into my room one morning. I'm getting ready, you know, my class, I'm getting ready for my class. And he goes, I want to know where the church is right now in this situation when white people don't speak up. Hi, Mark. How are you? What are you talking about? And by the way, you know, ripe language, and he's a former Catholic, and he's told me how much he just doesn't, doesn't like Christians. And he comes busting into my room and says this. I said, I, I don't know, Mark. Um, <laughs> what are you talking? He goes into this diatribe about, you know, what the president's doing or not doing and why Christians aren't getting beyond. And he wants to know, what do I think? And I tried to tell him in kind of general terms <laughs> what I thought. But in the back of my mind, I'm going, where did this come from? Why is Mark challenging me? And I said, I don't know, Mark, I'll tell you one thing. People have messed up the church, but Jesus still loves the church. I don't know what I could tell you. We should take action. You're right. But why is that? And I'm not patting myself on the back, and I'm not telling you that if you have a quiet time, you know, that all these spectacular things, but I'm, I'm telling you, ask God, man. Ask God. Maybe you should have your quiet time in the evening. I know a guy that swears by that. I couldn't do that. But first thing in the morning, he wakes me up sometimes, way be, most times before my alarm. And by the way, the more I'm walking in the light, the less I think about only what I want and when I see him work, I want more of what he wants. 
I like it. It's like, wow, God. Ask Maureen. I come home just about every day with a story about what God's done. I'm as amazed as anybody. I really am. I am. I mean, did me? Are you kidding? I just want to teach. And yet he wants us to be an ambassador. An ambassador? What, what did you say? I thought Nikki Haley was the ambassador for the U.S. Guess what? You're an ambassador for heaven. Did you know that? Did you get your papers on that, by the way? 2 Corinthians 5 says this. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Selah. Think about that. You know your weird neighbor or your weird coworker? Have you labeled them? At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. You are plan A. You and I are plan A to reconcile people back to God. So what is our witness like to, before the world and before the Lord Jesus? I want him, oh man, I can't, I can't emphasize this enough. I'm so aware of this, especially in my home right now. That doesn't have anything to do with Maureen. <laughs> She's great. <laughs> but I am so aware of pleasing God in what I do and bringing his love. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Nature speaks, it's true, Romans 1. But we're human and we have a voice. We're his ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't know if some of these people that I, I, I'm with every day, but um, it's not my job to make sure that they're saved. It's my job to be a vessel that brings his grace and love to them every day and to my family and to strangers and to the homeless and to those who are not doing very well, and to those who have mental instability. Yeah, I'm his ambassador. Our flag is different, our embassy is temporary, <laughs> and our true citizenship, well, it's not the country we were born in. Philippians 3 says this, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior. As his ambassadors, our mission here is to be one of allegiance and not an alliance. An alliance is something out of convenience and circumstance, where allegiance is something different. It says, I will. You know the word covenant? It says, I will do this. So I will bless thee, Psalm 63 says, as long as I live. As long as I live, it's, I am pledging my allegiance to him. It's not an alliance. It's not something out of convenience. You heard these labels? They're Republicans, they're Democrats, they're liberals, they're conservatives, they're gun people, they're anti-gun people, they're feminazis, they're tree huggers, they're nationalists, they're socialists, blah, 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 blah. Is our love for God driving out the hate that is prevalent in these labels? 
how is my everydayness right now as far as being an ambassador? The present political climate has brought out name-calling and labeling. How incumbent is it upon us to see people as God's children? As Kurt was saying last week in uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world or to judge the world, but by him the world would be saved. How different would our viewpoint of people be? Because in Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all people belong to him. So what's my witness as an ambassador? What will historians say of this time period about the church? Well, the church was split politically after the election of 2016, but wow, they sure knew how to call each other names. Wow. Is that what we want said of us? Or that we were healing and reconciling agents, ambassadors of the Almighty God? Well, you know what? They overcame these things pretty well because, and I don't know, but gee, have you seen how they loved one another? Have you seen how they loved other people? I think in the everydayness of things, that's how we're to be. So ask the Hallets to share something about everydayness and something that they did every day and how God showed up in the everydayness. Well, you can just share from there. I don't care. Um, it's really funny, Greg, that you should share all that you shared because this is really, this is really awesome. Um, about uh, four years ago, um, I was coming home. Uh, we lived in Chehalis area. And um, I was coming home from town, and that was about a 45-minute uh, trip. Um, it was a, we lived on a very long rural road, and uh, it was a heavy downpour in April. So I remember there was, you know, windshield wipers and rain, and I could hardly even see. <clears throat> but I saw a woman walking on the side of the road, and bearing in mind it was a very long rural road. So... I heard the Holy Spirit say, stop and pick that woman up. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I don't usually do that, God, so I'm not doing that because, you know, she might have a knife. She might, like, kill me. I don't know. And she might God be a said, serial killer. She might be a serial killer. So God said, I said, stop and pick that woman up. And oh. I was like, okay. <laughs> So I pulled the car over and I opened up my, my, my car door and said, do you want to lift? And she said, thank you so much. And then she got in and she said, do you mind if I let my dog out? And I'm, she had a little dog in her birth. And I'm like, oh, you're so cute. Um, she can't be a murderer. She's got a dog. So I'll let the dog do it. <laughs> um, so... Um, uh, it was about 10 minutes until I got home, and I'm like, God, what are you doing? Because I don't know exactly where this woman's going. Like, so, um, anyway, after, you know, like nine minutes of talking to her, God's like, I want her to come home with you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. And God's like, I want her to come home with you and have dinner, because I had dinner in a crock pot. I'm like, oh, okay. That's fine. So anyway, so I asked her, hey, do, and I found out that she was going to a town which was uh, 25 miles from our house. 
And so over dinner, she said, yes, that'd be wonderful. So over dinner, I found out that she's basically homeless. Um, and uh, she was going to the town to go to a court. And God said, I do not want you to ask her anything about that. Don't ask her. Do not ask her anything about that. But I want you to invite her to sleep over. I want you to invite her to sleep on your couch overnight and then take her there in the morning because she needs to be there for 10 in the morning. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, I can do that, I suppose. If you're asking me to, that's fine. Um, so uh, I was, God said specifically, I want you to pray for her and the situation. And obviously Jill was totally involved in this, right? Um, I want you to pray grace, pardon, and love for that woman. I want you to pray grace, wow. pardon, and love. Wow. I was like, uh, uh, okay. So I was up all night praying um, and, you know, slept some of the night. Um, and the next day I took her to court, and I had no idea why she was going to court. And uh, I was like, you know, we, we can wait here, you know, for you in court, and you can go in and then come out, and then we can take you back to wherever you need to go. She was like, oh, my gosh, thank you. So, so by this point... She'd, you know, been with us for a uh, night, and she, you know, found out we're all Christians and loved on us and loved our, and, you know, our kids loved on her, and, hmm. like, she was completely loved on. Wow. She was completely fed. She was completely, you know, like, breakfast in the morning, and hmm? she, got she got a shower and everything. Um, and uh, two hours later, she comes out of court <laughs> crying, and I'm like, uh-oh, what's wrong? What, what, what happened? And... She's like, Lorelai, I don't know why. I don't know why I, I was let go. I don't know. And so I'm like, I was praying for you. What, what happened in there? And <clears throat> um, uh, <laughs> so she said that basically the judge was really mean. I said, oh, was, was he really mean to you? And she said, no. Um, what, why I'm crying is because he was really kind to me. He was really mean to all the other people who, who came in front of him. And then, it, and then he came down to me, and he said, and his face changed. And he said, I don't know why, but I'm going to be graceful to you. And I'm going to pardon you. And I'm going to show you love. Wow. And she was crying. And I said, and I was crying then. And I said, <laughs> I said do you realize that I was praying all night, that all night for you, grace, pardon, and love, grace, pardon, and love, grace, pardon, and love. I had no idea why you were going to court today. And then she burst into tears and said, I thought he forgot about me. I thought he forgot yeah. about me. So uh, to cut a long story short. <laughs> um, we took her to church the following Sunday. We took her out to lunch. And Joel and I had been praying, but in serious prayer about this. And we asked her to live with us for four months. Wow. And so she lived with us until we actually moved up here um, four or five months. And she learned all about God and all about God's love. And we just poured into that woman. Yeah. And that's how God says, stop. I want you to stop and listen to me. Because what I have to say is really important. So in the everydayness of a rainy day. Everydayness of a rainy April day. 
God can God, speak to you. God reached out to this woman. Yes. Wow. Thank you. Man, thank you. This church is so blessed to be able to hear from God like that. And by the way, these things don't happen 24-7. Um, I don't walk three feet off the ground and, you know, <laughs> order um, food from heaven or anything like that just because I have a quiet time. What I'm trying to say is I walk by faith and not by sight. And these kinds of things happen when God steps in like that. We should take advantage of it. Amen? The everydayness of living. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all of its people. Let's go back to Peter. You know, Peter never asked Jesus, do you forgive me? He, I think he knew that, that Jesus did. Yet Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Just like that woman that, uh, that the Hallets had in their home. I, I'm sure that she was wondering, does, you know, does, does God still love me? Does Jesus, has, has he forgotten about me? Like Peter, we wonder about our future. I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, I wondered about my future. And when I, I sin, sometimes I wonder what my future is going to be like now. I've referred to that before. Am I going to be a missionary? Am I going to be a Christian leader? Am I going to be in worship ministry? Am I going to fill in the blank? But when we don't serve the people around us, we're not being faithful in the little things. Because Jesus said we had to be faithful in the little things before bigger things could be given to us to be responsible for. And I bet from the missionaries that we've sent out, there, there are stories that say that they were obedient in the Lord in the small things, and then the Lord called them to this bigger thing. You know, but it's, to God, it's not really a bigger thing. It's the same, right? It's just that for us, it seems bigger. But if we're, if we're faithful in the little things, he'll call us to the bigger things. I'm reminded when, when, when Jesus twice, twice said to Peter, follow me. Two times he said it. Once he, you know, about in, in response to what his future was going to be like, he said, follow me. And the second time is when Peter said, yeah, but what about John? <laughs> you ever have a moment with God and you go, oh, thank you. And then you think, how come so-and-so is more blessed than I am, right? Or how come so-and-so seems more secure than me? And that's not really true. Because you don't know what they've gone through. And Jesus puts Peter's focus right back where it needs to be. If I want him to uh, stay put until I come, what's that to you? Follow me. So twice Jesus says, follow me. I'm reminded of, of the time of my way back to, from Montreal to the Olympic outreach in 1976. I had a chance to have an interesting talk with our, our trip leader, Wes Anderson. I love Wes. He so impressed me that I asked him to officiate at my wedding with Maureen and I. I love Wes Anderson. He provides some great leadership. Wes, Wes is a true servant. He's still serving today. I asked him if it was okay to feel uneasy about this trip because I didn't know what was ahead. I was unsure about the role I would play and how God is, is how's God going to direct my future, Wes, when I get back? He said this, something along these lines. Greg, I'm wondering if Jesus is the Lord of your life. I thought, I'm saved and spirit-filled. <laughs> How would you, why in the world would you ask me that question? I've been a Christian three years. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Can Jesus tell you where he wants you to go, what he wants you to do, and how your future is to be directed? Do you have plans outside of him? Are your plans the same as his plans for you? I think, Greg, you need to submit all to him and then watch him really take over your life, both short-term and long-term. You know, I went in the back of that van 
because most of the people were asleep, not the driver, thankfully. But I went to the back of that van that we were traveling in, and I got in a little corner. I said, Jesus, I give you everything. I, I'm just, I'm pushing, it, I'm pushing it all in. I'm all in. See, I want to be a musician. I want to change the world through Christian music. And guess what? I've got to do a little bit of that. But what would I have missed if I had not pushed in my chips and said, everything belongs to you? I'm all in. I'm all in, God. God did some great things in Montreal. And by the way, God did some great things since then. In 45 years, he's never failed me. I've failed him plenty of times, folks. He's never failed me. How about you? John 21, 19, again, Lord, I'm asking you to speak this, your precious word to us. As for you, he's talking to Peter, but you can put your name in there. As for you, follow me. Jesus said this in Matthew 18, 24 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Ah, what a life I would have missed without the Lord Jesus Christ. Unless he had stepped in. Oh man, I was, I don't know about you. Ah, gee, where would my life be without him? Does Jesus have all of us? Individually, yes, but as a church too, does he have all of us? Are we all in with him? All of your future, does he have all of you right now in every way? Are you withholding a quiet idea that you might have or a set of plans that you're pursuing without him that you've never laid at his feet that he, you seem to think he doesn't know anything about? Are you right with him? Are you aligned with his future, not yours? Can I do what I want and still be blessed? Everything seems to work together for good, doesn't it? <laughs> Easier to ask forgiveness than for permission. Yeah. But is that true relationship? Is that true heart relationship with God? That sounds at best like it's a loose partnership. It doesn't sound like someone who is allegiant to the heart of God. It sounds like some, some sort of a loose co partnership and coalition. In terms of our future, does he have it all? Does he have most? Does he have some? Does he have a little? These are things that Jesus told his disciples. And since we're in the same discipleship program, we're supposed to be at the master's level with us, then we have to be in alignment with the teacher. That's God the Father and his son Jesus and the teaching of his Holy Spirit in us. He asks the same of us. Dwight Moody said this, the world is yet to see what God can do with a person fully consecrated to him. By God's help, I aim to be that person. There's a guy who was all in. Matthew 10, 39 says this, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. I want to do this. Oh, I want to do that. Oh, Lord, can I just do this first? And then I knew this guy that told me that. He said, you know, I get what you're saying about Jesus. He was an older guy. He said, I get what you're saying about Jesus. I need to raise my family first because I got five kids. Let me raise my family first. And then, then, Greg, then I'll go serve God. 
And it wasn't two or three years later, and I'm not saying this happens to everybody, but it wasn't two or three years later that he died of a heart attack on the showroom floor of the car place that he worked at. And I thought, oh Lord, I hope Don called out to you. Because his heart, you know, well, I should say his mind was in the right place. But if you give up your life, Jesus said, for me, you'll find it. I, I guarantee that the lose and all the people we've sent out and the people that have sought the Lord and gone to serve him have found their life. Have found their life because they've given it up to Jesus. Because they've given it up and they pushed it all in and said, I'm, I'm all in. Well, how does that work? I don't know. Ask God. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a future and a hope. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we've talked about following you. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that each heart, God, each of us, whether we know you right now, currently, or whether we're away or we have a question mark in the road of our following you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would take away any barriers right now. And Holy Spirit, as that, as that person asks you in or asks for direction or asks for wisdom, that you would come flooding in right now. Like a flood. Lord, like a flood right now, that you would let them know the assurance of your presence the assurance of their future in you, and God, how you're going to lead them. And Lord, they may not know what it looks like at all, but that's okay because they said, Lord, I walk by faith and not by sight. I'm your ambassador. I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna do what you ask me to do because I belong to you first. All of me belongs to you. All of me. Did you take the cups that are in front of you? And Lord, it's more than symbolic. I heard Jack Hayford say one time that as far as communion is concerned, Catholics may take it too far, but he thought Protestants didn't carry it far enough. <laughs> we take the bread, Lord, and with our finger we break it because we broke the plan that you had for us by sin. But Lord, you have restored us because of Jesus. Not only that, but we're close to your heart. We're near to your heart, God, because of what Jesus did for us. He took it for us, Lord. By his stripes, we're healed. Fresh from Easter, Lord, fresh from the, the Passover week, the, the Good Friday time, by your stripes, we're healed. And we take the cup of bread together in Jesus' name. After, he, after supper, he took the cup. He said, take this and drink it, all of you. This is the covenant, the new covenant in my blood. Lord, thank you for shedding your blood for our sin. Thank you for shedding your blood so that we could be restored to you and near to your heart. To have a future and a hope with you. And Lord, down here, it, it gets pretty muddy sometimes. But your rod and your staff, like we heard from Psalm 23, your rod and your staff, they comfort us. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because I can be reconciled to you, Lord, and I can walk close to you, and I can be near to your heart because of the blood that was shed for me. So we take the cup in Jesus' name. Father,
Connect us to you this week in the everydayness of what you call us to. In Jesus' name, amen.